It's the final episode before Dark Web. I'm Zach Joyner, your friendly neighborhood webmaster of Spidey-Dude.com and host of the Spidey Dude Experience and executive producer of the Spidey Dude Radio Network. Thanks for listening. And before we get started, i got to mention our other great shows here on the Spidey Dude Radio Network. We have our two Spidey Dude Vault series shows, Clone Saga Chronicles, which was hosted by myself. It was the show all about the 1990s Clone Saga and the Clone Saga-related characters. It started it all here on the network. And we have... The Spectacular Radio, hosted by Greg Bashansky, is the show all about the 2008 to 2009 animated series, The Spectacular Spider-Man, that ran on Kids WB and Disney XD, with frequent guests being the executive producer of the program, Greg Wiseman, and covered every episode of the 26-episode series twice, once from the fans' perspective and the other from the professional perspective. Amazing Spider-Man Classics Season 1 was three guys talking about Spidey from the beginning, but Season 2 takes that torch and with a father and son duo, Jack and Javi Trujillo, doing it themselves. The Spectacular Spidey Sal Buscema Era podcast is hosted by Chris Denman and talks about the Spectacular Spider-Man comic drawn by our pal Sal, starting from the death of Gene DeWolf all the way up until shortly before the Clone Saga. Then we've got Voices from the Eerie, a Gargoyles podcast is hosted by Greg Bashansky and Jennifer L. Anderson. It's a kind of a prequel slash sequel to Spectacular Radio. It covers the Gargoyles animated series with co-creator Greg Wiseman. It talks about the fandom, talks about the series itself, and also will talk about anything related to the Gargoyles uh, franchise. Books of X will be a Patreon-first show, hosted by Neil Bogenreiter, about the Krakoan-era X-Men from the beginning. And finally, we have our sister program on the uh, YouTube channel, also a show here on the Spidey Dude Radio Network, if you're listening to the audio edition. It is Make Mine Mayday, the show all about Spider-Girl, and her world, hosted by Kelly McDaniel and myself, we chronicle Spider-Girl from the beginning, and we've just wrapped up our second volume. So we've wrapped up the first volume of Spider-Girl, and now the second volume of Amazing Spider-Girl. We've also covered all the MC2-related comics that came out around the time of publishing, and so we are going to be going into the third phase of Spider-Girl's publishing history. Uh, really excited about that, so if you have not checked it out, uh, be sure to find it on your favorite podcasting catcher. And then we, before we get started, we always got to mention our friends over at patreon.com slash Network. Friends like Vinkman, Scott, who have been our supporters from the beginning, our biggest supporters. We got Greg, Kale, Phoenician, Georgia, Cindy, Jessica, Catherine, Keegar, Laura, Master Dramon, Ed Reynolds, Allison Farquhar, and our newest Patreon listeners, Vicky, Scott, Janelle, and Vanessa, thank you guys and girls for your support of all the shows on the Spidey Dude Radio Network. And if you're listening to this audio edition of the show, again, pay it no mind as we're going to make some re- references to visual aids and or live comments since these are usually streamed on our YouTube channel. Also, before we get started, I am going to have to acknowledge the fact that this is coming out shortly after the previous episode because we're playing catch-up, trying to get back on track, making sure that these episodes come out in a more timely manner. But We're releasing all the old episodes, getting them all caught up, so the numbering may be a little bit different. That's why I say it's the audio edition of the program because the audio numbers and the YouTube numbers are slightly different, although uh, we are kind of getting closer and closer to it being the same. So, uh, pay no attention to our wonky Marvel numbering. And without further ado, check us out on YouTube.com slash Network. If you want to be on the show, you can always leave us an email at SpideyDudeRadioNetwork at gmail.com. Or if you want your voice heard on the particular show or any of the shows on the Spidey Dude Radio Network, you can leave us a voicemail at 818-925-6631. That's 818-925-6631. Thanks for listening. Leave us that five-star review. Let us know how we're doing. 
and we will read any and all feedback on a future episode. So without further ado, let's get started. The main part of the episode starts now. Hello and welcome to the Spidey Dude Experience. I'm Zach Joyner, your friendly neighborhood webmaster and host of the program. Uh, tonight, we are going to be covering three issues of Spider-Man. We have issues 907 and 908. Uh, also, we have the adjectiveless Spider-Man number 158. 906 and 906, 907. I, I got the numbers wrong. Anyway, so we'll be talking a lot about these three issues tonight. Cannot wait to discuss them. Uh, with our panel here tonight. But before we get started, we got to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash Spidey Network. Now, if you're watching us live on the YouTube page, if you're seeing these names, they are not, in fact, updated. We have had three, that's right, three new patrons join up and become part of the Patreon subscriber count. So, Without further ado, the ones you see on screen if you're watching us live on YouTube are Vinkman, Scott, Greg, Phoenician, Kale, Georgia, Jessica, Catherine, Cindy, Jurgen. Thank you guys for your support. And uh, if you're listening to the audio edition of this show, you've already heard the three newest patrons. I don't have the list in front of me. I do apologize. We'll have it on for our next episode. So uh, they get some exclusive perks. Some great perks such as uh, getting uh, to see commentary of us talking about Amazing Spider-Man 1. Uh, us talking about specific satellite issues like Silk and Ben Riley Spider-Man. And we'll be talking about uh, the new Lost Hunt miniseries as well. So, uh, Patreon subscribers, they get all sorts of perks, including getting episodes early, such as Voices from the Eerie, a Gargoyles podcast, and more. So we also have the upcoming Patreon first show, Books of X. Uh, Books of X will be covering the Krakoa x-men era of books and it'll be hosted by my executive producer of the program of this program and the graphic designer for spidey dude radio network he is known as baja blast uh, on on the stream he is neil bogenreiter hello neil hi it's good to be back and soon we'll have even more processing power because i got my new graphics card today Yes, he is the co-producer, host, Books of X. So that is coming soon. Are we are we getting it in twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three? It will be launching in early twenty twenty three. All right, so that's be launching. The is, that's when the roadmap is coming up. So uh, next up, uh, we we will have um, Paul on here shortly, uh, but we have Adam, our art apologist. Hey, it's good to be back. Welcome back, Adam. Uh, so, all right, this episode, like I mentioned, we're covering the three issues. Um, if you watching us on Make My Mayday, we have one episode left here in 2022, and then we will uh, take a breather. But we've got a lot of stuff cooking behind the scenes um, that I cannot wait, and hopefully we, we can get some more stuff in, in December. If not, we will definitely be back in 2023 with a ton of new content we will be doing a news program because i have to because neil is overjoyed and elated over a certain news topic uh that if you're a longtime listener of the show you already know so uh baja blasting bogan writer is what vinkman says vinkman also says hello there so if you're watching us live General kenobi so um for our audio listener you probably heard this disclaimer already in the audio edition of the show, but I'm going to say it again live. 
There's going to be references possibly to visual aids and or live comments as these are done on YouTube.com slash Spidey Dude Radio Network. You can still follow us on Twitter while Twitter is not um, dead yet, but uh, on Twitter at Spidey Dude Radio, at Spidey Dude Network on Facebook and Instagram. And if we decide to launch other stuff, uh, twitch.tv slash Spidey Dude Network, um, you can find us on the discords as well. Discord link is up on is going to be in the description of this episode both the audio and uh, when I update it on the video edition. So I do plan on, on eventually making a Tumblr for the crawlspace. Uh, and uh, speaking of hosts of certain podcasts on the Spidey hey. Radio Network, we have at From Erie, at least from now on Twitter, uh, the host of Voices from the Erie, a Gargoyles podcast. He is Greg Bashansky. Hello, Greg. Hey, webcam's working again. Yay! Web- yeah. Yay, yay. Uh, for Which those- means, because I owe you this. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Galactus! He oh. hungers for plastic. Oh, yes, man. Yes, he does. Uh, my, my nipples are getting hard just watch- looking at him. Oh. Hey, Greg. <laughs> How's Death Source yeah. coming along? He's well over nine thousand. You know the meme. He just came out in color today, right? They they, they revealed yeah, color renders. Oh baby! Yeah. Okay, so before we turn this into a Transformers yeah. podcast, <laughs> unlike Robert Ray, Robbie Reyes, I think this one's actually going to go. F in the chat yeah. for Madeline, F in the chat for Goblin Queen. So okay, um, Neil, you and Javi recorded a commentary for Patreon, right? We have not yet. He had to take care of some family stuff, and I understood completely. So we will be rescheduling that for another time. But we okay. do have something very fun in the pipeline for people who know that me and Javi have a certain fascination with uh, robots. Robots in disguise. Well, you gave it uh, away, dick. Okay, kids. No, no. Those that have watched this show and or for two years, (laughs) like like it is it is the ongoing joke that has never died. And partly because I blame Vinkman for this, because he's the one that continues to perpetuate it. But now we're just into the joke. By the way, also um, shout out to the Wallaby Web Snappers crew. They had me on talking about the '67 series, which was bonkers um i'll leave a, a link in the description down below it was it was quite an entertaining episode um they're great I, guys it's a fun show yeah greg's been on there uh speaking of greg uh you're in the middle of um cities of stone the four parts yes uh, the big the big four-parter in the first half of the second season it was uh where a lot of people think the show really grew at speed or they go into uh they spend four episodes going to the backstory of two of the lead villains of the series, Demona and Macbeth. So and they uh, use a lot of actual Scottish history, not just the Shakespeare play. So there's a lot of stuff in there that hasn't been told outside of this Disney cartoon, even though it's real Scottish history. Hello, Carrick 2001. Welcome to the show. Um, all right. So, um, that's going to be ending out this year, and then you guys are going to take a bit of a hiatus and come yeah. back at the end of the first quarter next year, is correct? 
Yes, we are, and we're also talking, but we might have a couple of fan shows in between, like last year. We'll see. Oh, uh, that does that mean that I need to start watching some episodes of Gargoyles? <laughs> you might want to, yes. <laughs> okay, all right. Probably a good idea. All right, so if you want to hear me on Voice of the Eerie, um, again, uh, I will... Uh, Definitely be checking that out. So again, we're we're really excited. Voices from the Erie is is such a a great program for us because it just expands our reach. It has been the most popular show. Um, the numbers have been just outstanding. I'm not one of those that can be like the numbers are the best just to blow smoke up his ass. I'm saying it because it is the truth. Uh, the numbers have been really really strong and. Um, you know, as long as the website doesn't sit there and act up. Um, Would you believe I kind of feel bad about that because it's a Spider-Man website, so. No, but here's the thing. Like, look, okay. I, yes. We can, we can tie it in through association to Wiseman. That, it, that's all that matters. <laughs> because it's, but, well, I mean, yeah, it's a prequel slash sequel to, to Spectacular Radio. By the way, uh, watch it on Disney+. Plus. Going away from Netflix already. Uh, bad news. Uh, but it's going to be on, it is on Disney+. Plus. So. Real quick, before before we do that, I want to talk about the fact that Gargoyles number one from Dynamite pulled 197,000 copies on its first issue. Phenomenal sales for a for yeah, a, dyna- for a Dynamite issue. That's incredible. That out that that, that outdoes Power Rangers, guys. That does, that does Finally. everything right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's a joke because. Uh... Back in the day, Power Rangers beat Gargoyles in the ratings every time. So, uh... <laughs> first time I've been able to catch one of these live. Been enjoying these. Well, thanks, uh, Parker. Oh, God, uh, I'm stuck. Matt Bird. Um, no, that is weird. All right. <laughs> what a wonderful frame to freeze on! Holy shit! What a great reaction image. <laughs> I'm gonna make. At that least a, I'm gonna try and make that into a emote. <laughs> All right, oh. I'm going to remove Greg for a minute. All right, uh, if any of you guys got the IDW and Marvel Comics artist edition of Spider-Man by Tom McFarlane? I did not. He uh, No, uh, too expensive. Yep. Paul, that's though, might That's what, 125 bucks, right? Yeah, it, listen, I, I can buy almost an entire wave of Marvel Legends. I can, buy a, new, I can buy a new set of RAM. I, I do need more RAM. Good God, I need more RAM. Uh, all right, Greg's... Greg dropped off. He's coming back here in a minute. All right. So um, we're going to be covering uh, um, three issues tonight. Do we want to do slot man first? No, we'll do slot man whenever uh, Paul gets here. That'll be fun discourse. Yeah. Yeah. I think the discourse will be um, spirited. All right. Greg is back. All right. Um, So let's talk ASM. Baja Blast. You're going to give us the rundown as you per your usual. Oh, shit, I am. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, hang on. Can you guys hear me, right? No, you're dead. Awesome. Okay. Um, so, anyways, Amazing Spider-Man number 12, Legacy number 906, written by Zeb Wells, uh, art by John Romita Jr., Scott Hanna, and Marcio Menez. Uh So, the book opens before credits with... Um, EMTs at the uh, Oscorp warehouse where the Hobgoblin ambushed Norman and uh, Roderick Kingsley last issue. Roderick is fine, but Norman Osborne is on a stretcher and he's being dragged into the hospital. And for whatever reason, I guess um, 
Sin Eater didn't blow out the uh, goblin formula from Norman's body when he uh, made him a sensitive Norman. Um, but that's okay. We'll ignore that. So at the hospital, Norman is confronted by Peter, who's a little upset that Hobgoblin, um, or that Norman went alone and and went gave him the wrong day. And um, Peter says, Hobgoblin, do this. So I guess Peter just had a stroke in the middle of the hospital. Norman's like, you know what? Yeah, it wasn't Kingsley. So we need to figure out who this new Hobgoblin is. And Peter kind of has a moment where he goes, Norman, you lied to me about the uh, meeting. So I'm kind of, uh, we're kind of on thin ice. Uh, Peter goes to Betty first, who reveals to Peter that Ned um, has been wearing the Hobgoblin costume again, as seen in last issue. And he gets on board his military industrial complex drone and flies straight over to uh, Ned's little, uh, I guess, safe house is the best word for it. And um, Ned reveals that uh, the Winkler machine, or the Winkler device, I'm sorry, the Winkler device Mm. is in Ned's safe house. And Ned and Peter's like, Ned, you're the hobgoblin again. You got to stop. Got to get help, buddy. And Ned says, no, no, no. If I'm the hobgoblin, who's that guy? And then Peter's spider sense goes off and the wall gets blown up and the hobgoblin rams Peter through. And uh, Peter gets into a fight and uses his drone to evade hobgoblin's lasers. Uh, Cuts back to Norman. Sparkler blasts. Sparkler blasts. I'm sorry. Um, I did that for Greg. <laughs> nerd. Uh, <laughs> so Norman's back in the hospital, and a nurse comes in and drops off his laptop, apparently. He didn't uh, ask for it, but um, Norman decides, you know what, Please, just leave it anyways. Um, back at the fight scene, Peter is dodging Hobgoblin's uh, sparklers and uh, uses his weird web bomb things to drop a bunch of spiders on him. So now, like Vulture, he is covered in Spiders, man. Uh, Peter and Ned crash, or Peter and Hobgoblin crash to a water tower, and it cuts back to Norman, who is working on his Pepsi Man costume, uh, when he gets a notification that there is a spider suit incident log in progress, and sees uh, Hobgoblin getting doused by a water tower. And uh, Peter unmasks him to reveal that it's actually Roderick Kingsley. And then um, Peter gets double teamed. And it re- it's revealed that Ned Leeds makes two as two hobgoblins surround Peter to close out the issue. You're welcome. Yeah. So, okay, let's go around the horn. Grades. Uh, let's start with Greg. I give it a B plus. I actually liked this a hell of a lot more than I thought I was going to. I'm not a big fan of Ned Leeds being alive again, and I'm not a fan of Norman's current status quo, but I thought it was really well written. The art was terrific, and um, I like seeing Roderick Kingsley back in character, being the Roderick Kingsley we know. And I read the next one, I know, but that character just shows up so little that it feels like a treat whenever we get him and whenever he's done correctly. So I'm giving it a lot of points. Oh, sorry. I give it a lot of points just for that. I like that they're 
And the Hobgoblin has always used misdirection and deception as his greatest weapon. I like seeing that in action here as well. And um, it's and the fight scene was just really fun to watch. Sean Romita Jr. outdid himself. I mean, I know a lot of people say his best days are behind him. Then he turns in something like this. Right. Uh, Adam, you're great. Your thoughts? Speaking um, of... I, pr- I think I'll give it a B. Uh, I, I agree with Greg about Ramita Jr.'s art. Like, I think I think this arc in general is some of the best we've had in this run so far. Um, I like the yeah. I, I mean, I like that. I like the action. I think I, I think the the hobgoblin stuff is interesting. I think the Peter and Norman relationship is kind of odd. That was kind of I don't something about that was kind of rubbing me the wrong way this time, but. Um, I mean, it it was a it's pretty it's a pretty decent issue, pretty solid. Here's the thing about the Peter and Norman relationship: the only way this works, and granted, he is and he should be, but if Peter is a better man than all of us, I mean, That's there's true. just certain degrees of. Gullibility. I mean, I like, yeah, gullibility, but. I like to see Peter as a compassionate human being, but I don't know. It just rubs me the wrong way that he's working with this guy. I can buy he's doing it to try to keep him on a leash, but yeah, I like I like that there was at least that kind of aspect to it. Like he is, he's still very on guard about the whole thing. At least in this issue, it seemed like he was. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's a weird relationship, but I mean, it's. Not something that we're probably going to ever get again. <laughs> so, for now, it kind of just is what it is, I guess. Okay, I guess I'll go. Um, yeah, Neil, I'll go. It, to, sorry. I'll give, it a, I'll give it a B plus. Um, I think my main can. I think my main draw for this issue was the Hobgoblin mystery. Like Greg said, Hobgoblin's all, main weapon has always been deception. And because he hasn't been used meaningfully since uh, Hopeless's Spider-Woman run, there's been a lot of room left, and Spencer's run dropped a lot of hints that something wasn't right with Ned, but this is Wells picking up on that plot thread and running with it. And I think he did a great job of setting us up for misdirection, and then he kind of twisted the knife by showing that there were two hobgoblins. I thought that was actually really clever. Um, So congratulations, Zeb Wells. One mystery box has been answered spectacularly now get to the main one um also i'm with you greg i wasn't a huge fan of ned coming back um i know that 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 was a follow-up on slots clone conspiracy plot point but um i think that uh peter and betty actually had a lot of good dialogue in this issue i think they had some of the best one some of the best dialogue in the entire issue especially with betty kind of Betty kind of acting like an abused housewife, like f- freaking out about Ned wearing the Hobgoblin suit. It's a very traumatic point in her history. And I think it's that Wells did a really good job of writing that scene out. Um, I don't think that, I, I don't think the I don't think the metaphor is one for one, but I think that Wells does a very good job of analogizing it into, you know, my husband is wearing a hobgoblin costume. 
Wells is very hit or miss. When he misses, he misses badly. But this arc, I think he's been hitting quite well. And I'm thinking back to when they brought Harry back. I wasn't a fan of that either. And then they didn't know what to do with Harry. One day Harry was here, one day he was there. But granted, they just made him a hipster. They just made him a hipster. A while, but, yeah, but they know what they're doing with it, it feels like. It, there's, an, there's a direction here. I feel like Spencer teed it up really well for Wells. Probably not intentionally, because I think he probably had more in the tank for Ned before he his run ended. But I think Wells did a really good job of picking up where that run left off and um, kind of taking that plot point just to its natural conclusion. And we'll see it later in the next issue, and this is kind of cheating because we're talking about the next issue, but I think that they did a really good job of uh, bringing stuff from beyond to supplement that plot point and kind of bring it full circle. I feel that I should rem- mention that before Nick Spencer's run ended, there was this rumor, these leaks that came out. Some of the leaks turned out to be correct, but one other leak was that Ned was going to encounter Roderick Kingsley again, kill him, and then become the real Hobgoblin. So even though that turned out to be bullshit, that sounds like the type of thing Marvel editorial would do, so it's kind of hanging there in my head when I was reading this, and thankfully it didn't go that way. This has done a really good job I I think one of the things that I felt even with the beyond and then this, that they've done a pretty good job is they've taken plot points and advanced them that in a way that we have really not seen since probably the nineties. Definitely not since the two thousands. Like, like the JMS run was very clear, you know, other than the MJ subplot, you know, it's a very clear just jump on point. Um, whereas here, you know, it, it's taken these nuggets and these pieces that were put in place from the Spencer run uh, and, and advanced it. Look, the fact that uh, Betty is a mom is, is an interesting dynamic. Um, to me, it is a very interesting And of course, I mean, the fact that Betty, of all people, had to name the kid Everett. um, Winston. Or Winston, sorry. I don't know why I came up with Everett. Uh, (laughs) What? Don't. uh, (laughs) It's it's been a. I have had a weird day. You've had a weird week, so I I don't. I'm not mad. I'm just kind of confused how you came to that. Anyway, but. so yeah, look, I I enjoy the Betty issue, the Betty scene. Uh, I, I like the fact that Ned is something other than a plot point, because um, normally Ned's just a plot. Historically speaking, he's always been a plot point. So actually doing something with him as the Hobgoblin, I think, is really kind of kind of neat because this is the first time we get to see Ned as the Hobgoblin that's not a retcon. It's an actual moment where he actually gets to be the hobgoblin. It's not something that we've all oh, retroactively, you know, fitting into a box. And also not uh, in the service of the narrative. It feels like an organic, not an organic character moment, but something that is forced upon him by Kingsley or right. well, no, we'll see that later. It's not Kingsley, but Kingsley is part Assuming of it. Kingsley. When you're reading this at the, at the time, you assume that it is Kingsley. Yeah. So to me, uh, I give this an A minus. I, I think I, th- I thought the artwork was dynamic. I thought the like the the artwork in this has been really really good. 
um, with Bermuda. And I feel like he's hitting a stride. Like it took him a few issues to kind of get the kinks worked out, but I, I, I honestly think him and Hannah are, are knocking it out of the park. Uh, the pauses and issues have really helped continue the rejuvenation of, of Ramita in terms of, you know, he's not having to do every issue. He's not having to do, you know, a, a boatload of issues. He's doing, you know, arcs. And I, I just think they've done a really good job handling the artwork uh, in general. And my I just main, think my main point of contention is coloring. And I think Marcio Menes is a gorgeous colorist. Like if you've seen his work with Pat Gleason in beyond his coloring is amazing. I just think it's too saturated for Ramita. Yeah, Jr. I don't, I, I agree, Neil. I don't, there's some about his palette choices that there's something. It works for me to juniors art. And I love Ramita juniors line art in this. I think if we got like a black and white book in the style of like a Frank Miller series, Mm-hmm. This would go a lot better, because um, I think his line. Because I saw that page uh, that he did for ASM number eight, I think. Yeah, and it looked amazing, like on his Instagram. But there's something about it that's a little off, and I think it's like that really glo- that glowing and saturated color palette that Marcia Menez uses. I don't know. One thing I want to say actually is, <laughs> I for me personally, I think. Here, a, a negative I have is uh, personally, I, I think the the Oscorp suit is really boring, <laughs> and I don't like the uh, I don't like the over reliance on the tech. He doesn't use his webbing at all in this issue, and he uses um, a, he uses a pumpkin bomb. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like he's using the glider, you know, to move around. It's like, and that's fine, I guess. But I'm just thinking, I'm kind of. This this leads into a problem too with the next issue, but I'm kind of hoping that this is going to be some kind of a you know a lesson learned. We've already of. learned the lesson though. We've learned this lesson five times in the know, last seven years. I, I, I know. If yeah, I were designing that costume. Well, first of all, it wouldn't be gold, so it wouldn't be this gold goblin stuff. It would be reminiscent of the. Iron Patriot or American oh, we're Sun talking about outfit, the spy- we're talking not about ironic. Suit. We're, we're talking about, about your suit. Suit, not not Norman. Oh, suit. although I do, oh, I, I I mean the Gold Goblin costume is okay, but it, if he's going to be Gold Goblin, he needs like at least the Goblin More face. Gold, white. I do think I do think calling him Pepsi Man is a better service to his actual appearance than uh, get- Coffee, Mister Coffee. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but we can tie it into Death of the Family. Shit! The All right, time, let's go. <laughs> the one time. uh yeah, <laughs> I don't know. All right. Um, I don't know. There's also something the thing is, about- is no. Oh, sorry. What You're I would say. Hold on. Put put Mr. Comics's comment up because I disagree. I would I, if he's talking about the Alex Ross armor here. I actually yeah, he prefer is. that to this costume. I think I, I think the-, the Alex Ross suit in the Parker Industries arc is a lot more inter- it it the tweaks are uh tweaked enough that it's more visually interesting than this one because this Oscorp suit because the Oscorp suit it's not it's barely different like it's it's basically the regular suit but with, with just a yellow spider on it, it a yellow spider on it and like the weird gold orbs on the arm which 
I'm, I, you know, I don't know break what up that's the, all Break about. up the arm. They break up the arm's yeah. pattern, and it's distract. It's like someone and just the, took took some like gl- piss globes and then strapped them onto his suit. It looks off. It's just not visually different enough. And at least Ross, when he designed that new spider armor, he did it in a way the the way the lines are. It's sleeker looking. So there's like a point to it. And yeah, it's got the spider that glows and the eyes that glow, but like there's a there's more of a difference in the design sense than this new Oscorp thing, which is just like the regular suit with like small, small, small differences on the the boots and the you know the glowing orbs on the arm and the glowing spider on the chest and the the mask is the same, but it's a helmet and it's just not. I mean, people are like. I feel I I think like on Gleason's new comic book day issue that's coming out next year, he draws the suit which he designed, and he's basically just drawn the regular Spidey suit with a yellow spider on it. <laughs> he drew it that way in the Hellfire Gala issue too. It's just not like it. It's not that interesting to me. It's just boring. Like I, I like personally, I just feel it's boring. It's not different enough. So I I want to touch base on that with you, Adam, on the Parker Industries suit. I agree that the that the raw suit is better. If you took away the jackass green glow on the eyes and the spider, and sure. took away like a lot of the really glossy sheen and made like a more of a matte finish, it would be a lot more presentable. And and part of me understands there was a thematic reason why they went with that suit because it was part of the all new all different era, which was a radical shift from the status quo that they left before Secret Wars, and so Spider Man needed to visually look the part of not only the primary tech provider of the Marvel universe, but also just a radical shift away from Spider-Man so that he could return in a blaze of glory to the classic reds and blues. Right. Yeah. So this just feels like, Hey, let's put some piss in his eye. (laughs) That's how it feels. Like that's all they did. I don't I, even know what an Oscorp designed Spider-Man suit should look like. I mean, thematically, right. it would almost be more goblin-esque, but Peter would never go for that at all. It'd be like yeah. asking a Jew to wear a swastika. It'd be like, um... oh shit, <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> I'm Jewish. I'm... <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It, it, the the one person that I'm trying to make, though. is the is the is the resident Jew in this room right now. Um, you understand the point that I was trying to make there? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. That Peter yeah. would thematically never wear a suit that looks like a goblin. Yeah. Um, I just think it's weird that Peter has like a literal drone on his back. <laughs> it's but to just, me, it's weird. That's also corporate synergy crap too, because like you know you got Droney from the MCU. Now you bring that type of similar element to Peter in the comics. Oh, you have, it in, you have it in like the kids' cartoon, the the Spidey and his amazing friends cartoon. He has like a drone. Oh God, I I still haven't myself to watch that. Oh no, the really children's show to. for three year olds. We haven't watched it yet. Yeah. It's not really <laughs> for us. Lion. But there, there's a generally a, a I get Zach's point. There is an effort along the entire corporate ladder to streamline Spider-Man into recognizable traits across the brand. And one of those is drone. Uh, because if Tony Stark learned anything, the military industrial complex is always in the right. 
<laughs> yeah, that's what Captain America Winter Soldier was all about, wasn't it? <laughs> and Captain Marvel, kind of, but that was also a vehicle for the Air Force. We don't talk about that. Um, anyways, um, I think we have, anyone have anything else to add about issue 12? Yeah, I think we can move on to the next issue. Where the hell is oh, Paul? Actually, Keller actually adds a um, good point that it's not the first time we've seen Peter on a glider. That is true. He first appeared on a glider, not the first time, but um, it was in ASM 682 at the beginning of Ends of the Earth. Uh, Stefano Caselli drew it. It was just a literal spider glider, and he used it to fight Equinox. And then it later showed up again in ASM 695, I believe, just before Dying Wish. Um, oh, Bruce got his fan letter published in ASM 12. Good work, Bruce. Congratulations. And the bug, the bug bot has been destroyed twice. Is that thing just meant to job out so we know Peter's in trouble? Like, is that like Worf from Next Generation? Where, like, we know it's a serious threat because Worf's been blown across the room? Oh, as we all, as we all, like, simultaneously, like, thanks. I don't, what? Can you guys hear me now? Yes. Okay. Did, did, did I get, did I get cut off or? Yes, you did. <clears throat> um, At least I'm. Greg and Adam, were you able to hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. But were you able to hear what I said about the drone? Yes. That that it's meant to basically be a jobber? Yes, Mr. Yeah. Worf. Yeah. Okay, I just wanted to make sure, because if Zach couldn't hear me, then I just want to make sure. Okay, um, so I guess we can move on to ASM 13, if everyone's okay with that. Yeah. Okay, so ASM 13, same creative team, Wells, Ramita Jr., Hannah, and Menyes. So Norman is in the hospital, and he's screaming out to a nurse to uh, call the police and send him to the 75th and 193rd Street in Queens. Um... Peter's getting his crap kicked in by the hobgoblins, and um, eventually the drone uh, saves him. Jesus Christ, Peter can't Peter can't fight anybody on his own in this run. First he's saved by a wolverine, then he's saved by a drone. Um, so he basically uses his webs. He uses his webs, Adam. They they answered your criticism in the next issue. Congratulations. Good, um, good. <laughs> so he uses he uses his webbing to hit a antenna and slingshot himself into one of the hobgoblins. I think it's Ned. Um, but at this point, they don't matter because they're essentially the same character. Sometimes it's hard hard to tell, but the genius actually of the last issue was the lenses popped off of Roger Kingsley's mask. So that and you can see that in this one. So he's that mm -hmm. one. I think it's actually a. I think the, I thought that was a coloring error first, and then no, I realized it, you're right. Yeah, it shows but, um, he like punches him in the face, and the lenses oh, the lenses pop, pop off. Yeah, yeah. I did notice at the end of the last issue though, they have when Roderick's putting his mask back on, the eyes are still red. So that was a coloring error on Menyes's part, I guess. Well, I think that might have been. Uh, well, I don't know. It might have been um, Ned. It's hard. It, it's hard to no, tell. Both, both, both of them. Both of them have red eyes. Do they? Let me see. Yeah, but um, eventually, uh, oh yeah, the hobgoblins get the hobgoblins get the better of Peter, and um, they blow up the drone. Uh, F in the chat for drone. Um, <laughs> does it have a? It's bug, okay. right? Bug. Yeah, he calls it bug. Yeah, F, F in the chat for bug. Um, and Peter realizes he's really sad about that. He's, he's really sad about the loss of this drone. Like, 
It's not a character. It's a plot device. He's had it for how many issues? How many issues has he had it for? Like three, <laughs> four, four. I think maybe five. I, well, yes, since Vulture, he got a number, he got a number eight. He got a number eight. So yeah, it's been five issues. Um, but anyways, the uh, Roderick's about to kill Peter with the front of his glider when enter Norman Osborn. Norman Osborn is Pepsi Man. He thirsts for battle. <laughs> Norman uses purple lasers to uh, blow up uh, Kingsley's glider and send him flinging towards neat towards Ned. And eventually, they try to make their getaway, but um, Peter Peter catches up to them and ties him up with a web. Jesus Christ, <laughs> he never Damn it, apologizes. He never apologizes. No, he does not. Is that reference? Um, but Peter gets his hands wrung by uh, Ned. He's gonna literally choke Peter to death, and then Norman sucker punches him and just keeps beating the crap out of him. He's covered in blood, and Peter's like, "Dude, you gotta chill out." And later on, the police yeah. have. Um, the police have, uh, I don't think they find, yeah, they don't find uh, either Hobgoblin. They never mention it, but I don't, but they never. Uh... Well, Kingsley, like, I no, they got Ned, but Kingsley, like, pieces off, off panel. Oh, yeah. I had to, I had to reread oh, that. Peter, like... Peter, yeah, I think, I think you're right. Peter grabbed Ned off the glider and Kingsley yeah. got away on and Ned's like, glider. Yeah, he gets away. And it, that thing, it happens. That's like kind of a pro and con for me. Like, the issue happens. I love how fast paced it is, but it's also almost too fast paced. But maybe that's good that I had to go back and reread it. But maybe it's bad. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, wait, both. where'd he go? Yeah, it's it's like a it's a half and half sort of deal. But um, Peter goes to see Betty, who says, hey, Norman's going to help Ned get legal help. Um, and you got a pretty solid case because Ned was brainwashed. They use the Winkler device. They use the Winkler device to brainwash Ned. And Betty's like, "Didn't you hear, Peter? The police never found a device." And at an unknown location, uh, the Winkler machine is re is repossessed by Kingsley's goons, who takes off his mask, or the mask is already off, but he he sits on the device and says, "Turn off my. I'm going to turn off my mind. It's in your hands." And it's revealed that the person who has brainwashing him is none other than our resident Gobby mommy, Ashley Kafka. <laughs> no, dun dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> we got one note out. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Exactly. That, you have the soundbite I sent you for that. I don't have it uploaded. No. It's not on. It's not on the board, but but yeah. All right, we next issue. It it's, it's basically Jonathan Frake saying, "Wow, you are so high." Hey, hang on, Mike. You are really high, really high. <laughs> next issue. Enter Ben Riley as Baja Blast. Uh, he quenches the thirst of villains. <laughs> um. So yeah. All right. ASN number thirteen. Grades. Uh, Greg, we'll start with you. A minus. A minus. Okay. El elaborate. <laughs> For you that we've okay. done. First of all, 
I'm usually impressed when a story takes concepts that I am not a fan of, and I'm not going to say it turns me into a fan of them, but at least makes me intrigued enough. I didn't like the whole Queen Goblin thing, I'm, and again, I didn't like Ned being back, and there's a lot of things I was dreading about this, but including the Gold Goblin, I really don't like that, and yet... It hooked me just enough that I want to keep reading. I want to know where this is going. I didn't feel like an idiot reading this. I didn't feel like the book was um, <clears throat> talking down to me or just did not want me as a reader, like often happened during the slot era. I'm genuinely intrigued by what's happening here, and um, I actually like enjoyed the reveal that Queen Goblin was controlling Kingsley. It also makes what's going on with Ned even more intriguing right now because... Is he genuinely working with her? And, of course, she says she wants to restore Norman Osborn to being a villain, and that's going to happen sooner or later anyway, after his whole Mr. Coffee, Pepsi Man, Latte of Doom thing is over. (laughs) I still really hate that costume, though, and I still say... We we will need to talk about Gold Goblin, because it is tying into Dark Web, and he's facing off against Gobby Mommy in that uh, that miniseries. Yeah. I still say that if I were to design that costume, it it would have been more reminiscent of the Iron Patriot or the or American Son, but actually played genuine because that was when Norman was pretending to be a hero. Now he's actually trying to be one as opposed to um, this very bland, bland costume, which um, I'm sure Hasbro's looking forward to. They're not going to require that much painter engineering for that thing. Woo! <laughs> They're looking forward to it. They're looking forward to a cheap uh, action figure to shove out there for $20. Bruce, I was going to that in a minute Only but... t- yep. 20 bucks watch it'll be in the, it'll be part of a 70 dollar box set <laughs> they put the gobby they put the gobby they put gobby mommy and uh chasm in that set yeah and the and again also the arts the art was terrific and this shows that like i said last time that um john Romita jr still got it i don't care what anyone says when he he delivered here the action sequences were fun and i and the thing with the lenses, that was a great way to keep track of which hobgoblin you were looking at. Yeah, Adam, Adam raised a very good point on that. I actually didn't notice that at first, but when I, I'm reading it now and I just now recognize it. I just thought it was a coloring error on Menya's part. Dude, uh, the like... One thing, the one thing about that real quick, Zach, actually. God, the fact that I'm saying that out loud. Wait, what did you say, Zach? <laughs> I, I said the fact that... Uh, I, I like the way that uh, Ramita drew Gabi Mommy. And the fact that I said that out loud makes my heart hurt. <laughs> okay, to be hey, fair, not- we are going we are going to dark web, so we are gonna need a way to differentiate between Kafka and um Madeline. Yeah, because everyone's gonna be like Queen Goblin. No, I mean Goblin Queen. I mean <laughs> Ah shit. <laughs> yeah. Goblin might it- Oh damn it. <laughs> so Thanks for the memories. So I give it an A minus because it was good and it pleasantly surprised me. I almost made Neil spit dig. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed. Uh, I would have if you made me like spit take all over my really nice keyboard. I would have I would have driven down to Braintown to strangle you. <laughs> that's fine. I've have been you, like have you ever gone into into a book or a movie or anything prepared to hate it almost wanting to hate it and then just being pleasantly surprised by it you, you know I, I, look I was looking forward to seeing 
Ramita draw Hobgoblin again and do a Hobgoblin yeah. story, but it feels like this is, you know, when when Wells is not doing um, the what when he's doing, doing street level stuff and and the crime stuff and del- delving into the villainy of Spider-Man's villains especially villains that we've not had a featured role in in a long time. It feels like, okay, this is, this is the parts of Wells's run that I'm like, okay, he gets the villains. Is his Peter right? No, we know that there's a reason for it. We're still going to believe And we're still going to wait until, you know, early next year to finally figure out what that is. But the, Spidey and the villains are right. And that's the that's the thing. That's the point that I, I feel like we need to hammer home. The Peter Parker stuff isn't right, but the, the Spidey stuff is right. And and Wells has shown that he can do Spidey well. And, and the uh, uh, Carrick uh, 2001 says the villains are the best part of the series so far. And I, and I would I wouldn't disagree. Look, um, You've gone on record saying that Tombstone was easily the best part of that arc. Oh, Tombstone was far and away the best part of the arc. Bar none. But the fact is, is we're now at issue 13, and we've only had really two arcs. It's been very decompressed. We've technically had kind of, not four. Well, to, to be fair, had- though, to be, hold on, Neil, to be fair to that, like, there's kind of been... Uh, I mean, the, I think the tombstone thing was the most decompressed. The vulture thing was like what two or three issues, and this two was issues. three issues, yep. and then we had the tie-ins. So it's kind of he's actually I kind of like the the three part story deal. Yeah, was, I think that's I, fine. We had talked about it on, the, on a couple of episodes, like during during the tombstone arc, that if the arc had t- cut off like those first two issues, that just wasted our time. <laughs> and just started and just start on issue three. I think the arc would have been a lot more well received because it just kind of throws you into the action and kind of and kind of lets you catch up as you go. But um, part Ramita of- does draw incredible fight scenes, and I just feel like that. Yeah, well, the best, the best so art that- in this is the fight scenes. Like there, there's this. Incredible stuff happening in can those. I mention, can, I say, can I mention a con real quick? Yeah, I kind of hate how Peter's getting bailed out every fight by something. I didn't. I didn't like that either. I that was like I don't mind Pepsi Man coming in and saving Peter, but I do mind it after Peter's been saved by Hakeem in Wells's arc. He's been saved by Norman when he's literally screaming to the phone, "Norman, I'm going to die." Mm-hmm. Please help me, Norman Sama. I kneel. <laughs> yeah, that is that is that's becoming a pretty annoying trait that, that Peter has to be bailed out. Peter, Peter, at this point, look, I can understand. Maybe if, if he Peter, used his webbing more, <laughs> which he uses like once in this issue, finally. Um, if Peter were like three years, you know, because like canonically, what he's what twenty five. Hopefully. Still. <laughs> this is a guy that's been doing this shit for 10 years. 25. I would think he'd be like 28, but I remember... Okay, according to Slot's run, he should be in his 30s by now. But then, yeah. some, but then somehow Spencer's run wound back the clock to him being mid-20s, 
and now he's officially right. 25 as of the beginning of Beyond. Yeah. He'd say he was Peter has the same disease that Billy Connors had. I think so. I'm trying to remember I'm trying to remember when they said 25 exactly, but I know that 25 has been mentioned. Yeah, Billy Connors got he got to be like a teenager, I think, and then he basically went back to being like eight years, years old or ten years old or something. Uh, Kerrick uh, brings up a good point. The two tie-in issues back to back, and then we're going going into an event is just too much. It re- it's really hurt this run so far, and he's been generally enjoying it. That's true. Um, that is a true statement. Like, like, and that was a complaint that we had. With Judgment which, Day, I think, was the big which, one. Day, which, which, again, I, I felt like that the two tie-in issues were stronger than I expected. I actually had pretty low expectations for those issues, and they did pretty well. Here's, but, here, real quick, I'm going to push back. I think the, that the Judgment Day issues on their own, isolated in a closed system, are solid issues. That said, in terms of the pacing of the main story, they grind the plot to a halt. And yes. that's the main problem is that it doesn't answer the mystery. It doesn't move anything forward is that they're, they're solid issues on their own, both within as an act three to the hellfire gala one shot. And then as a, you know, an extension of the main judgment day event that was going on at the time, which is now over, go read it by the way. That's a really good event. Um, but on their own, they grind the book to a halt. Well, it's just the pacing issue. Or nine, oh, 600, 900. I mean, 900 ground the book to a halt. Um, you know, we, we, we skipped over that. Like we, when we talk about the, about this run, but you know, uh, it was essentially just a one and done. It really didn't have any real meaning. It just, and, and it, was I, like, it was like the annual that it was inspired by kind of <laughs> because it was just an annual. It, it shouldn't have been a centennial. It should have been an annual. Yeah. Perhaps, uh, well, perhaps. I mean, so I, and I kind of feel that dark, the dark web's going to grind this narrative story to a halt. I have no expectations going into that. It's going to de- the problem with dark web is it's going to decompress everything because Wells is essentially handing off his plot points to different writers. Cantwell's handling Gold Goblin, uh, Mary Jane and Black Cat are being handled by McKay. And actually, I'm I'm going to be honest. Now that I've seen more of it, I'm the less I'm looking forward to. It. Even if it's McKay, who's an is an amazing writer, he made me care about Moon Knight. Um, I don't care about it because it's just tossing the mystery off to somebody else to solve it for wells we will definitely be covering that in uh, on patreon first um yeah we got to figure yeah. out, we're gonna do we, that, need to figure out we need to figure out how we're gonna we need to figure out how we're gonna structure dark web and we'll we'll kind of talk about it later once we get past issue 14 mm-hmm. and i plan to have i plan to have a game plan for that that i'm hoping zach will sign off on because i have a plan written out uh, but I'll I'll think about it. I don't know if I, I want to give it to me. I haven't sent it to you yet. Neil, <laughs> <laughs> um, frenemies. That's that's how this works. He he. I am the tiger. He is my leash. Yes. That's yes. really weird. Um, um, let's kind of been main story and six hundred and two tie-ins. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty bad. Because the the issue with Dark Web is that there's no like single main storybook. It's just the Prelude issue, ASM, and a bunch of other tie-in books that include like X Men and Mary Jane Black Cat and Venom of all characters. Who I'm not even <laughs> sure how he's tying into. It is a it's a weird. Yes. 
it is just a weird kind of setup they've got going for that, I yeah, guess. Yes, so we got we got ASM and four tie-in books with no real structure, if you, and yeah, then it's going to be the end. Because I guess because ASM is basically the main story, right? I don't even I don't even know if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, the, all, well, we, the, all we know is that the books are there. We and we know that Venkman no. Um, <laughs> where's oh. the bonk? I added it to the the Discord. Bonk. The bonk um, emoji. <laughs> but um, what was I talking about? Dark web, right? Yeah. But we don't know anything about how dark web is going to be structured or like if it's going to be the main, ASM is going to be the main book and then everything else is side pieces. I. Okay, I'll shut up. <laughs> no, that was for, that was for Vinkman. That wasn't for oh, you. But... I thought you were telling me to shut up and keep talking and move on to something else. No. Um. But I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of concerned for how Dark Web is going to turn out. And then we have to deal with the fact that immediately after, we're changing writers for a bit. We're getting a Joe Kelly and the Dodsons. Well, two issues. Coming in. Two issues. Well, two, two issues, yes. But we're not going to get any answers until, I'm guessing, ASM 25 at this rate. I I didn't know about the Dodsons thing. Yeah, I'm Joe, Joe Kelly is coming back to write uh, ASM for two issues. And he's bringing uh, Terry and Rachel Dodson with him as the arc team. Listen, I, I, I'm down for Terry and Rachel. Joe Kelly. I... Yeah. This is this is the man who sh- who wrote Peter and Felicia breaking into a hotel to have sex. He also wrote Grim Hunt. He also wrote. No, he did. He did write the uh, um, Rhino. Uh, flowers for Alexi and uh, for Alexi. He did write that. So like, they weren't all like foul balls, but the the main I, issue is that these are going to be Peter and Felicia issues, and we all know what he did with Peter and Felicia, and no one liked it. <laughs> so I'm trying I'm trying to figure out like how, but okay, how, how in a post brand new day world Kelly is going to write them. Uh, my my curiosity is now that she knows. And that Peter and her are now intimate, like they know each other's identities. There's there is a relationship that's been kind of established. I am interested to see how that dynamic is going to be written with Kelly, because one of the big issues with Kelly's writing of Felicia and and Peter before was the elephant in the room of one more day, her not knowing the identity of Peter and all of the continuity jumbling that, that was occurring. So I'm okay with if the story is something that serves the two of them together. Okay. I'm kind of vaguely interested, but I am also terrified. It's going to be bad. You want to hear a hot take? I think Peter and Betty had more chemistry in this run than Peter and Felicia do. Especially after number eleven. Number eleven was weird because it was like Peter getting like shaky knees, asking her, asking her out on a date when they when they have slept together and dated before. You don't remember that, Zach? Yeah, like, yeah. Peter's like he was like, oh, oh, I asked her out. Ooh. <laughs> now, granted, that's more relatable to me, but I'm not Spider Man. I don't yeah. have giga, I don't have Giga Chad strength and same. Yeah, <laughs> I am going. I, I am going to push back on that slightly. When you've been in a monogamous relationship for an extended period of time, it's hard to get back in the swing. It, it trust me, 
trust me it that is fair th- there is a level especially if you're going back to somebody that you've had intimacy with it is not easy to um try to muster up that courage because of the baggage that surrounds it and ladies and gentlemen the host of the comic binge youtube channel uh which we are accident i did not mean to simulcast on (laughs) well my bad are you simulcasting yes we are simulcasting the show on fantastic are we stream are we raised are we stream rating Shit, yeah, we are we are uh, we are simulcasting on both the Comic Binge and the Spidey Radio Network YouTube hey, channel. Hey, I'm, I'm all good. I'm all, I'm all good for it. It's all good. It's all we're all we're all we're all in this together, right? Right. Come on. Yes. Now. So, ladies and gentlemen, the host of the Comic Binge uh, YouTube channel and podcast, <laughs> the host of the channel we've co-opted for tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that we uh, hijacked. Uh, so. Uh, but yeah, no, it wasn't a hijacking. It was. It, we've been planning on doing this for a while. We're having a there's, there's a there's a connotation difference with. <laughs> yeah, but uh, welcome, P Thug, uh, aka Paul. Hello, sir. Yeah, hello. We missed you guys. It's been a while. It's been a while. It has been a while. It's been a while. Um, your th- uh, have we done this uh, on the second issue? I don't think we have. We, we, we haven't done. Which we one? haven't done. We haven't done adjectives yet. Okay, so what is your grade briefly, and tell us your thoughts on the first issue, Paul, and then we'll give our grades on the second issue. Um, the first issue of is it ASM seven. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, it's been a while since I've read. It's it, it's life is busy right now, so things are kind of crazy. But uh, if I if that was the one where he first takes on the hobgoblin, right? <laughs> This is the, yeah. It's the one where um, the hobgoblin, the two hobgoblins, are at the end of the issue. Yeah, right. But he, but he takes on the first one. Yeah, he takes um, on the first one and realizes surprise, and it's like this always sunny. Oh shit! There were two of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm just, I'm just looking over it is because because the, the, the nice thing about this series, in my opinion, is that it has been pretty fluid to me. Like they kind of run together in a good way for the most part, you know. So. I, it's and again, I don't mean that in a, in a derogatory way. I mean that in, a, in, a, in the best way possible. Um, yeah, I would say I, you know, the series for the most part, they, this issue particularly, I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring it up. There are some a couple of things in a couple of these issues where I was like, hmm. But um, give me one second here. Um, but no, I, I the, JR, the one thing I'm going to say about um, bringing this up is JRJR's art is just to me. Just it, it's. I don't think it's been as good as we, we've gotten it recently. It's like it feels like he's back. At least in my opinion, it feels like he's back. You know? mm-hmm. It really does. Yeah, and yeah I agree. It's really mm-hmm. nice to. It's really nice to see. Oh, it's eleven and eight, eleven and thirteen. Excuse me. I, I, I was or twelve and thirteen. I was getting yeah. all confused here. Um, issue twelve. Where the hell did issue twelve go? That's weird. Um, but no, like it, it's one of those things where. I, uh, you know, I, I w- I've been really, 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 really happy that we've gotten this new JRJR and new in that he, it seems like he's back. Like it, it's, it's, not, it's definitely not like J, uh, JMS era, you know, like, I don't think it's like that, but it feels like we're getting, um, that a, a better, a better version of, of Spider-Man. Yeah, here we go. I, I, I remember right now. Um, yeah, it, it feels very, uh, 
cinematic, but in a good way, if that makes any sense. Like a lot of a lot of panels that they're doing, it you know, it's letting JRJR be really just kind of have his way with it. It's that's what it feels like in the best way possible. Yeah. It, especially this first issue. Um it, and I just love how it just it just it feels like he's telling the story and Zeb's just like, yeah, here you go. I'm, I'll I'll fill everything in. Um the weird thing I would say, and this is a kind of a, a problem, I think, in a lot of this modern comics in general, is that we're, it, it does kind of fall into the whole, like, I read this thing in, like, five minutes, you know? Um, that's probably my biggest criticism of it. it. I love the fact that Zeb's letting JRJR kind of do his thing. But it just I will say that I feel like the art's so good, I don't really care. But I will say that mm -hmm. it, I, like the, I like what Zeb's narrative and everything. But it definitely feels like we're getting a little bit of a short change on the writing aspect. And I'm not saying it's his fault in the sense to where you need to do more. You need to pad this out. Like, I don't want him to do that. But I definitely feel like this issue in particular, it was like I breezed through this thing pretty quick. Um, but that being said, the art makes it worth it. Uh, his art is fantastic in this. And I, I got to tell you guys, I love the spider stuff. I love all of the spider gadgets. And I, I didn't think I was going to like the Spider-Man uh and norman relationship as much as i am it's weird because if you were to tell me this before i'd be like okay yeah we're gonna get we're gonna it's gonna be done to be it's gonna be tired whatever but i'm really i'm really trying to get behind it because and it's almost making me kind of feel bummed when we do ev eventually get this you know uh eventual you know green goblin turn they're building it up the right way and I, I like the the spider guy, the you know the spider uh, glider. I forgot what he calls it. Um, bug, uh, bug, bug. Yeah, bug. I like bug. Um, it's this is it's just interesting. This is a different. I mean, I'm I'm engaged. I'm not I'm not like okay, let's get this over with. It's like you know not like the Mary Jane Paul stuff, you know. So um, I'm gonna give this comment. Oh, I forgot a about plus. that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You of all people, right? Um, no, I forgot. I legit forgot it existed. You, you remind me. I think me. we all gave it a B or B plus. So we're yeah, all kind of I, on board I, that. Yeah, I, I think you know. I, I feel bad saying this because I don't want to be like you got to pad this out, Zeb. Like kind of a thing. I don't want him to feel like you know, or any writer to be that. Be honest, to, should feel they have to force things in to make to make up for like, well, there's not enough dialogue in this, right? Like you don't want to do that. But, you know, as, as someone who reads comics a lot, I, I do appreciate getting into the narrative, you know, into like the people's heads a little bit more. And again, I've, I've gone on nauseam about how I think that's a lost art in comics. This would really help from that, I think, especially with the Hobgoblin perspectives. They could even hint a little bit like of inner monologue. But everyone's so afraid of having letter, you know, word balloons of like or thought balloons, you know, where it's like, oh, can't have those. Those are dumb. It's like, no, they're not. Just give me give me something, you know, I give think... me something, to, you know. I think part ahead, of it sorry. is I think part of it is Bendis. Bendis kind of poisoned the well for like long thought balloons because he kind of just made it like words, 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 and it lost all meaning. And now everyone's kind of afraid to have like monologues. Well, I mean, I, 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 to be honest, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's that man. It, it, maybe it is because I, I know Bendis gets a lot of crap for it, but so did Kevin Smith, right? Like, I mean. There's other there's there's writers out there that aren't afraid of, of having long dialogue. It's just it's just a trend. It seems like it's way more of a trend now than ever. Like I feel like Jed McKay when I read Moon Knight is probably 
the best person in modern comics and mainstream comic books for superhero stuff that kind of gets the balance because i feel like there's so many different characters that they're interacting to each other i'm actually getting good characterization and development and it but it's also not just you know it's not pigeonholed to being like well we're a talkie book or we're an action book you know like this kind of a thing um you know i do like it when zeb kind of does you know kind of expresses it a little bit and i think i, I want to say the next issue is a little bit better actually but maybe i'm wrong but i remember liking this next issue a little bit more spoiler alert um but but yeah i would say that my biggest criticism criticism is is basically it's b plus because it just does feel like i'm reading this book in like five minutes but the art is so good it makes up for it to be honest it's so freaking good um actually, actually i'm kind of realizing this and i kind of want to butt in for a sec um one of the things i do have i am a bit upset about is that peter norman is having like the the bruce jason todd relationship where peter's like norman stop being brutal you gotta stop you gotta stop being a villains um and it feels like Norman. It feels it, the difference is like it's a it's a lapse of in control on Norman's part. But it feels like I'm calling. I'm kind of just going through the. We don't we don't do things the bad guys way because we're better. And I th and I think honestly, Gold Goblin delves a lot better, a lot more into Peter and Norman's relationship than this issue does, for better or worse. Man, I need to read. I haven't read Gold Goblin. We're not reviewing that today, are we? It it no, we're not. Um, but I but I did read it, and it is it's a much better examination of Norman. I feel like Wells for the Peter Norman stuff is kind of going through the motions where, um, nor where gold goblin is like the real meat of Norman's psychology in the post, in the post, uh, sins, sin. What was the storyline from Spencer's run sins remains? Yeah. Sins, whatever sins, insert, whatever. Last remains. Last remains. Last remains. Sorry. Really good. <laughs> but I like last remains. But it feels, but it feels like this is the Gold Goblin is the first real follow up to that plot line. So they're just going through the motions of Norman suddenly being a good guy and having to do the Jason going through the Jason Todd arc of we don't beat our villains. You know what I mean? Well, you know, you know, I, I would say um, say that the only reason why I, I, I it's not as Jason Todd Batman relationship to me is because. Peter is trading a very fine line and I actually like that, that he's just like, he's so worried. Like he doesn't, he, he really wants it. It just shows you how great of a person Peter is because he's trying so hard to trust Norman. And I, and, and I, I do like that, that, that thing where it's like Peter's seen enough in his life that he maybe could see Norman being a good person at some point, you know, he's believed, you know, he wants to believe it, but he knows he can't trust it. So he's just going to jump at everything. So, I, I do like I do like that aspect because 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 really because the one the one clever thing I think Zeb has done he's really at least to me and maybe I'm alone on this I, I, and God help me uh, that one tie-in issue with all the the big uh, that was I forgot what the hell it's called Judgment Day whatever it is um, Judgment Day that really gives you a good insight he's been giving us a good insight of Norman Osborn that we not we're not waiting for him to like portray Peter he really it really does feel like he's being like hounded by the ghost of his past and he's a changed person like that the whole senator thing really did happen and i, I gotta be honest guys now we brought it up i'm sorry i've kind of taken over i, I apologize um but one of the things i kind of thought about thanks for reminding me actually neil is you know this, this whole relation with peter and and uh and norman and i really do feel like he's a good person i think the gold goblin's an extension of that which we'll get into a little more in the next issue 
Um, the one thing I'm going to say is, is I'm starting to think that that whole senator thing is true and that he really is changed. But maybe, and I know everyone's going to be like, oh, God, here we go, Paul. You know, Mr. Connect everything. But this is how I do it, baby. Um, but I'm going to tell you, I think I'm wondering maybe if what if Mephisto uh, is behind and like uh, Green Goblin returning in some way, since he's already a part of his origin. What if he's the one that puts Mephisto back or, or Green Goblin back into Norman? It kind of unleashes that. And that has tied. Uh, I'm I'm gonna push back. Occam's Razor says Gabi Mommy's gonna do it because she's already got a plan in motion to put his sin back in him. Yeah, and that's and that's that's valid. That's valid. But I'm just saying it's it's possible. I I, I don't know. I don't know if they're gonna go that far, right? Because already because they're they're tipping their hand right now, and it feels like this is gonna be the long game between Green Goblin and Spider Man as far as that. Again, I wouldn't be shocked. But I'm I the, the only reason why I don't think it's going to happen. It's too soon still. Too soon. I don't think I don't know if it's going to happen right now. But we do know that like, Gabi Mommy has a plan. Like she literally says in issue thirteen that she's going to make Norman pay for what he's done. Or was it? It was ninety three. AS ninety three brought it up first. But in this in this new issue, she says his sins have come back. Norman's Osborne sins have come back to haunt himself. So and he's she's also going to be fighting Norman in Gold Goblin number two and three. So we're kind of already aware that. Yeah, I, I think Kafka, but I think Kafka, Kafka has the plan already. But Gold Goblin, but to me, I think you need to expand Gold Goblin more. I, I just don't. I mean, again, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, it, but I'm just going to say this. I think that there's a legitimate chance that this whole thing with Norman is going to be a more longer game. And I think that's kind of Zeb's, I think that's going to be Zeb's main through line for the next couple of years is building up the Norman Peter relationship to tear it down. And I think that's, but at the same time, not in the sense to where it's, it's, it's going to be Norman doing like, cause that's too predictable doing something like either, either go even Goblin mommy or with, with Mephisto, Either one, you have to do it longer than I think to what they're what what's going on right now. So I think it's gonna be a while. And if it's gonna be long game, I think that it could tie back into one more day potentially. Potentially. But that's just that's just that's just a very, very my own my own uh self uh self awareness a little bit with that one. But anyway, I, yeah, I think it's a good solid issue. I just kind of skimmed through the last issue that we're gonna next issue we're gonna do, and I definitely uh, I'll wait for that. But yeah, I give us a, a strong B plus because the art and I think the story has been fun. I love the ending. And yeah, I'm waiting. To, I'm ready to get in the next issue. Uh, what is everybody's um, grades on the second issue? Uh, we've already kind of given our reviews, Paul, so you can kind of want to give our oh, grades. I'm sorry. We've already, a minus. I think we already gave our grades, didn't we? For, I, I don't think we did for the second one. We did for the first. I gave it a B plus. A minus. A minus as well. I'd probably give it maybe a B minus. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, all right. So. Wait, B, I, I, I'd give, I'd give this a B plus. B plus. Okay, Paul. Um, all right. So, I'm glad that we waited for a minute to uh, bring Paul back on because Paul, we're gonna be talking about Slotman, aka. Wait, I didn't give my last review of the last issue. Wait, I, I, thought, I, I, well, I thought that was I thought that was ball bundled together. So, oh, okay. Uh, I, 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 no, hold on, really quick. That was ball bundled together. I, I and I thought I was doing one. I apologize. So yeah, they, but you know what? I ended up being all all together. 
The one thing I'm going to say is I forgot that last issue was even worse than the first one as far as like this dialogue. Like there's hardly any dialogue in it. It's just like I. It's a it's a quick little thing. So it actually got worse. Um, but in the end, it's all the same. I'm loving the art, and I think Zeb's getting away with it because he's got a good he's got a good team up with JRGR going. So he can't good. keep getting away with it. <laughs> he can't keep getting away with it. I get that uh, reference. No, I I don't know that. Adam, you're muted. It's Breaking Bad. Oh wait, which who who's that character? It's Jesse. Oh, it's been a while since I love Breaking Bad. It's been a minute. Okay, Adam, what were you saying? Before we move on, I have a hot take about the covers of this arc, (laughs) this three-issue arc. I think that uh, they should have swapped 13 and 11. So I think that 13 should have been the cover to 11. Oh, yeah, because it literally gives away Gabi Mommy being behind everything. Uh, Because at least, like, because I think, like, she's revealed in 13 and i think if you have the issue 11 cover for 13 it makes more sense and uh norman being in peril like he was in issue 11 makes more sense for the cover of 11 than it does for the issue to 13 when spidey is actually in peril and norman is the one who saves him in 13 so that's another cover hot take for me (laughs) i don't (laughs) just want to throw out there they have not done well with the covers like there's been some covers that have not made any sense, like issue two's cover. Nothing to do with anything. I still <laughs> say that should have been issue one's cover. But it would like I said, it was just two. I mean, I'm probably wrong, but I feel like two issue two's cover being issue one's cover nails the tone of issue one. But Nick Lowe was like, we can't put this as the cover for issue one because everyone's going to flip out. You're not wrong. I mean, you're not wrong at all. I feel like that would have sold more copies, though. Pro- Actually, yeah, it's true. Yeah. All right. So, uh, anyways, discourse. Uh, we got it. In space. You want it? We got it. Yeah. Oh our. Well, that went pretty well for two issues. Uh, hour thirteen. All right. Let's do the final issue of the evening. The main event. We have. Wow. The end of the Spider Verse. Oh, Dan, please don't threaten me with a good time. Um, I didn't read it. You didn't miss much. It's like, um, well, get out. <laughs> so, Spider Man, adjective list number two, legacy number one fifty eight, written by Dan Slot, line art by Mark Bagley, inks by John Dell, and colors by Edgar Delgado. So, we'll begin the issue, and I'll, I'll do this quick because otherwise, Paul will bust my chops for this. Um, so in slot's, tip, in slot's typical lack of subtlety, um, the web of Spider-Man, Spider-Man, uh, goes, Wowee, Mr. Stark, thank you for inviting me to the Worldwide Engineering Brigade! Wowee, thanks, Mr. Stark, wow! Um, and he breaks into the lab and sees his drone broken. Um, and, okay, all these other spider characters, it's Spider-Man India, Spider-Ham, and Miguel are all Shathra zombie things. Uh, basically, Noir, Mayday, and Punk, along with uh, Spider Gwen. Is she Ghost Spider still? I don't remember. Anyone, she's, still- anyone? she's still Ghost Spider? Okay. Yeah. Um, basically, one, one extended fight scene until Aranya shows up and casts magic to save Peter from Noir. Uh, they jump through a portal, and Shathra and Nestling plot their next move. 
Peter and the Peter and Co uh, arrive on six one six beta, uh, which looks like an absolute color ridden nightmare. And Moreland does an exposition, or Moreland says, "You know what? I'm gonna exposit it a bit, but first, let me introduce you to Dan Slot's OCs." And um, we in, we're introduced to Craven Spider Spinster. Is it Spinstress, the the fairy tale Spider Woman? Yes. I feel like she, feel like mm-hmm. she knows because Kelly did an entire yeah. satellites ish episode talking about how great this her if she was. Uh, Night Spider, Sun Spider, and um, was it Master Weaver? Not Master Weaver, Web Weaver. Sorry, the gay one. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's how they marketed it. That's how they marketed him. That's, that's fair. <laughs> Character. So I'm not like I can't even be mad. Um, basically, Felicia or Night Spider goes, "Haha, I'm still your utility belt." And then Madam Web decides, "Hey, Morlin, you Peter Parker is the chosen one from the primal strand." None of this makes any sense to me. I feel like I'm like. My mind is evaporating as I read this issue. Um, Cindy gives Peter a new costume to replace his damaged Oscorp one, back to the classic reds and blues. And Moreland says, hey, here's some well-timed exposition. And he explains that he went back to Loom World using Spider Boy's, using Amalgam Spider Boy's severed Rip. arm. Rip Spider Boy, man. Rip, Rip Spider Boy, I guess. And returns to Loom World to, to the reveal that Spider-Man, who previously adopted the baby inheritors jesus it's like i'm reading a muppet baby script jesus this is like watchman babies v for vacation um <laughs> i don't think slot i don't think slot wrote that though that's part of spider again oh. part two no i i know but like baby inheritors just sounds like muppet babies or not muppet YouTube babies YouTube search um, muppet babies temple of doom sometime <laughs> Uh, but but she ate all of the inheritor babies, um, damn. And so now Morlin went to attack Shathra in her realm, where I guess the uh, slingers have been waspinized. Jesus Christ. Um, mm-hmm, yep. And Morlin arrives on Earth six one six Beta seeking help, and the spiders all seek their next move. And then Miles turns into a wasp and says, "and says that I she can see you now." And it turns out that every spider except the ones in that church are all waspinized, uh, including uh, Insomniac Spider Man, Steel Spider, Spider Ock. Everybody's been everyone's been waspinized. The Scarlet Spider. Uh, I think that's oh, that's Web Spider Man, um, W E B Spider Man. Uh, oh, manga vs. Spider-Man's in there. Basically, everyone everyone you care about has been turned into a wasp thing. Damn. Um, <laughs> to be, to be continued. We and the sad thing is, I know this will be go- today's solicits came out for February. We know this arc is going until February. God help me. Um. Okay, I'm gonna give my grade first, giving this an F. Ooh. Oh my god. Ooh. <laughs> And I'm going to explain why. I know this sounds let's get ready to rumble. This sounds particularly harsh, but yeah, let's let's give the grades and then we'll come back because, like, I know I, I know that there will be some pushback. All right, I'm giving this a C minus, but only because of Bagley's art. I'm giving it a C. I gave it an F, and I'm going to include Bagley in there. So I'll elaborate later. But Jesus, oof, Paul. 
Greg? Yeah, give it a give it a B. All right. Greg respect. Oh wait, Greg didn't read it. Well I'll I'll just give him a C and average it out. <laughs> okay. So I guess sure. I should defend my thesis. All right, all right. Yeah. Let's let's, have... let's sit back now. I'm just gonna put put my hands back up and be like, all right. <laughs> Dance, monkeys. Okay. Uh get your get your uh what, what kind of cigars are out there? Get, 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 a Cuba, get a Cuban ready, cigar. Right, get a Cuban cigar and listen to me. This is not popcorn worthy. <laughs> this sounds okay. like popcorn talk. So first off, the art, it's not as bad as it could have been, but this is nowhere near Begley's best. And part of it is Edgar Delgado's coloring. Delgado has two colorists he's good with. Uh, that's Patrick Gleason and Humberto Ramos. Anybody else, he looks really off with. It's oversaturated. It's all over the place. And the coloring ones they get to six one six beta is awful. The characters that are the characters that are there clash awfully against that weird like nineteen sixties retro look. I mean, that's I get the what point. they were going. I get what that's what Isn't they were it? going for. But it's but it's <laughs> Thank so you, Adam. But the environments are so static and like discolored around them. And I get that's the, I get the point. I get that's the point. But it doesn't look good. Nuance. I hate it. I get us a point. I just don't like it. It looks really awful, and it clashes. There, 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 there I get a, that's the point. There was probably a better way of of conveying it. It does come across as a bit awkward. Like if they had made every character like with that color style, I think it would have worked a lot better. But as is Delgado's color makes it really hard to. I had my my eyes hurt trying to separate the care trying to separate the characters from the environment. And not in a good way. Not to mention John Dell's inks are all over the place in this issue. I've never been a fan of John Dell's inks before, especially with Bagley's prior issues on Spencer's run. But this issue was kind of the linchpin for me as far as saying that I think John Dell is the worst inker Marvel has on their lineup. Bar none. I, I think I'm at that point. I'm I'm actively willing to say I have my worst colorist, Maury Hollowell, and my worst inker, John Dell. I'm gonna draw the line in the sand right there. Um and honestly, the, as far as pacing went, this issue is also all over the place. It felt like six, eight pages of very poorly constructed action scenes, and then like the rest of it was just poorly paced exposition that was meant to catch people up on what Morwen was up to. I guess the point. But no, and I don't disagree. Um I, I don't like how these first two issues have been constructed. Um to me it's very it comes across as a little lazy to start an arc and then immediately go into flashback. And that's what all this was. Was like the vast majority of the issue is is Moreland's backstory of how he becomes an ally. Again, clunky as shit because more this is the law of diminishing returns with Moreland. And more Moreland is inherently a character who is only good for one story and he's long outlived his expiration date. I don't disagree. Hang on. You can you can write Morlin in other stories when Morlin is a force of nature. The problem is is when you take away that force of nature element he is lessened his impact is severely lessened. Does that make sense? Like 
you, you can write Moreland in a similar enough way to what JMS did, but by making him less of a force of nature and trying to give him a personality, to me, really, really makes the characterization suffer. And I, I, on one hand, I'm glad to see that he is now it. Like, like they, the the fact that we had, you know, the the inheritors finally get killed off, uh, and off panel land. Great, cool. Moreland's the only one left. That <laughs> said, I feel I feel like Slot has tried to make me care about the inheritors for seven years now, and this was just like another edgy attempt to make me care. Like you're supposed to care that the inheritors were eaten. Oh no. no. No, I, I, I was not. No, I, you're wrong. You, I don't think that was the intent at all, actually. Then but what was the intent? Uh, the but intent but I, was to show the intent. Hold on, the intent was to show Shahara, whatever her name is, being ruthless. That's the whole intent. It's not the fact that they're the inheritors. The fact that she just did this at all. She ate these kids. That's the whole point. It's not about the inheritors are insignificant. I disagree. I think part of it was slot going like, "See, I got rid of them. Aren't I so no, great?" No, you to have to fans. give Morlun. No, no, Neil, you have to give Morlun a, a reason to join the spiders, and what other way to do it than him kill his family? I mean, come on, man. The, the come on, man. The, the come on. Shut up, bro. Let me. Let me. He is an essential threat to him. If, if Shatra eats all the spiders, he has no food. It's literally well, yeah, you could have tied into the force of nature. Bit. Character emotional clearance, man. You can't just be like, oh, I haven't joined it for no reason. But you can criticize Slot for like, oh, being so clunky because, oh my god, I actually write and explain things. This is stupid. <laughs> Again, I, I, look, I feel like it is not a mistake to cull the herd of the inheritors. I felt like one of my biggest criticisms of the inheritors as a concept was the fact that you, you give Moreland who it, by his very nature was a force of nature. Um, now he's got this whole family thing and, and, and on its surface, I understand what you're saying, Paul. Don't, don't, don't discount what I'm saying. It's why I didn't give it an F. I gave it a C because it kind of progressed the story, but with this coming out once a month, I I kind of just am like, oh yeah, it's 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 not grabbing me and and enticing me and making me excited. The other thing that kind of annoys me is that we've seen Shathra since her first appearance, but nobody wants to. She was a character that was shown. It was not, it was a weird, like, next appearance. I, even when I went back and read it again, I remember being, because I love that character. I remember mm -hmm. being like, this is not the same character. It was very odd how uh, Yost used her with Scarlet Spider. My understanding is, is that Yost has started that plot point, and I think there was going to be a big arc between the two. In, like, New Warriors or something. It, well, well, no, it's going to be in year three, and then they dump the new warriors on him assignment. And I, cause I, my understanding was, is that his long-term plan for Scarlet Spider was in year three, he was going to address the Araceli plot and the Shathra plot. 
and then he had to hastily smash all smash the Shathra stuff into the last two issues of Scarlet Spider, so that way he could set it up for New Warriors. Yeah, I, I, I to be honest, I, I think as someone who loves Shathra, remember her name? I can't even say her name right, but but again, everything else, but. I can tell you, I feel like Slot nails it way more than Yost did. I don't so. disagree. Look, I, I think she's that they've done. Look, the, her being a threat to me is like, all right, cool. Um, I I am interested, but I'm not like overtly excited to go to get the next issue. This didn't grab me in a way that that made me feel like I'm being uh, that I should be enticed to pick up the next issue, if that makes sense. Also, this is kind of a minor gripe, but I slot can't write the other spider characters. They're all very one note, and I think the Spinchers by default because she has the most interesting most interesting dialogue scheme mm-hmm. is the most interesting of them. But like Sun Spider, Craven, was it Craven Hunter Spider? Uh, Night Spider and Master Reaper, they all have like one personality trait. I'm Craven, I'm Black Cat, but because Slot can't write women, uh, I have no personality. I'm the cripple and I'm gay. That's it. <laughs> I do feel like that's so oh, the, in Slot's sense, though, yeah, writing a teen book uh, of any kind is you not kinda, you kind of have to do that. Yeah, I feel like exactly. This is, this Thank is you. For, like I, I wasn't a fan of it per se, but I understand the reason for it because this is, this is a new series, to you know get new people to read. So and to and some people are going to see these characters for the first time. So you kind of have to like. I don't even remember half know, these characters. Well, no, the thing is, they, they they're new. They just came out this year in the tie-in, the Edge of Spider Verse thing that was before the. Oh. and that's and that's my oh, issue see, is that like that. these these characters were a lot more fleshed out in their Edge of Spider Verse. Well, that's because and and I and I know you have to water have, you have to you have to water them down. But if this is your first time coming into this book, if, if, I know Paul, you didn't read the Edge of Spider Verse tie-ins, did you? No, and, and and I had no problem with these characters. I loved them. I had no problem with anything. I, like I got, and, and, and you know, and here's the thing though, like when I read, when I read this, I had no idea there. You guys are telling me, I'm like, oh crap. I had no, I don't know this is the first appearance. I'm like I love this. And I think because it, because slot did a good job of explaining who they were very quickly. It's not like he has 80 pages to tell the story in the second issue. He's got 22 pages. You've got to like, you know, it's, it's, this is a very much a, uh, um, a conveyor belt of a, you know, of like, you know, you know, lack of a better term, a conveyor belt of creativity when you're doing monthly comic books. And I get like, it's not, everything's not going to, you know, hit with everybody and that's fine. The thing is for me with slot and you don't have to like his style. Like that's, that's whatever. But I feel like people are being brutal on him just because of things that like he has to do. Like God forbid, give exposition of something in a 22 page comic book that he's setting up from the first issue. It's like, of course, you have to explain it at some point. He's not, he can't. He, you guys would rail against him if he said, "Oh, I'm really teaming up with him for no reason." Whoa, I saw it did it again. He didn't write very well because he didn't give Merlin <laughs> that's a, that's a, a bad, that's a bad faith oh, argument, and you know it, Paul. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Whoa, back for a second. I think if he had peppered that this exposition 
in with the ongoing narrative, there is ways of of ongoing narrative. That's what I don't get. Oh, it's like it's, you it's, don't you, she, you go into it, you go into it, and you're like, you get immediately get okay. There's more inheritors, or he, he has to explain it because he more than came in and saved him. And then it's like, what happened? Why are you saving us? Well, let me tell you. Like every other comic book I've read in this, like where it's not like mind blowing. It's not Watchmen, Alan Moore, Grant Morrison, <laughs> insert whatever pretentious comic writer you want to put into it. That's fine. But like the rail against it for like doing what just a normal comic book writer and superheroes would do. It's like, I'm like, okay, that's, I don't I'm, get it. Like I just I'm don't glad, get it. I'm glad that it's now and not, you know, <laughs> I think it's better to get it out of the way now. I don't know. And it exactly. has been. So there part you go. Of, part of my writer brain, though, is looking at this and saying you could have condensed these like eight pages of exposition into like at least half of that and move the plot along much faster. Well, where's that against Zeb Wells then? Zeb Wells did the same thing. Like it's that talk about condensing. You could probably do that whole comic like in, we've made, in 15 we've, pages. We've, we've made that argument before. <laughs> We did criticize that in like the vulture arc, and and you could have probably condensed we, some of this hobgoblin arc down. We, we just, but, but, but we, I feel like you I came feel on that you could have condensed but, the first arc into like three issues. But but right, but the thing is, you guys aren't railing at Zeb as much as you are as slot because slot is like your guys' hatred enemy. That's what I'm. That's all I'm saying. There's a, there is that. There's a there's a bias. Listen, I can say it too. Like I'm biased. I do. I I prefer like slot's whole thing. But if you were coming into it fresh, I don't think you'd be as hostile as you are now. I'm just saying. And to be on, okay, to be fair, there is a bias, but partial, but part of it is because we have an established pattern with Slot. Slot starts off with a really good first issue, then he drags the plot for four issues, and then the fifth, and then the sixth issue, he has to like wrap it all up in 22 pages, and he stumbles and trips on his own dick because he's too busy trying to wrap it up because he spent so much well, time stalling. One of, one of my like one of my frequent criticisms of slot has been how the pacing is very has always been very uneven. Um and I'll say this the first issue was a lot less quick of a read than the second issue. The second issue, I, this issue felt like it was, I, I felt very, very underwhelmed in terms of the amount of time it took me to read it. But by, by, by the time I got to the end of the issue, I was like, oh, wow, we're, we're at the end of the issue. So again, it's, that's so funny because I had the exact opposite, literally, like it's literally the exact opposite. I felt when I was reading this issue, I was like, man, this actually felt like I read a 22 page comic book opposed to like. Again, which I love ASM and what they're doing there as, as Zeb and JRJR together. Actually, this is a great, to me, it was a great example of a solid 22-page comic book where you're giving me dialogue, progression. I just, I just don't see a lot of the things you guys are harping on it. And, and again, that's, that, it is your, that is your truth. That is your opinions. I just don't see it. I, you guys talk about bad pacing. I'm like, He's telling a he has a ton of characters he's juggling, and it's and again that's the story. It's just it's the end of the Spider Verse, right? And I feel like I love what we're getting because I like these different Spider Man characters. Like kind of Adam said, I had no idea where these these characters were before this before this issue. I had no I had to me I had no problem the way he did the way he did it. I liked Spinstress; she was fun. Like these are a lot of these Spider characters are probably gonna be fodder for. You know, for whatever you know, Shafra or Morlun or whatever name, you know, whatever 
is going to happen. And that's fine. But I liked, you know, um, uh, Arania showing up. I loved, you yeah, know, right. just, to me, Arania, I'm, so, I'm terrible at pronouncing things. Um, I just stopped podcasting. Um, but, you know, the thing is, to me, this was a fun issue. And one of the things I talked about in our group chat was I like the fact this is much different than the, what we're getting from uh, Zeb Wells. And I like that. It brings me back to the 90s when in, in you know, 80s, early 90s, when all the all the series were kind of like, well, not really Webb. Webb is a, is a bastard, but, like, you know, that's a whole different story. Yeah, um, well, but Conway was writing it, yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, it, it's such a different book. It's just a different take on Spider-Man. It's, it's, I like the fact that we're not just getting, like, this, the same style. And, again, you may not like the style, and that's fair. I'm not, and I'm not saying anything, but, like, I just – for me, there's, there's just no absolutes. I mean, you, you cannot dig into it. But for me, it's like I just feel like some of the stuff that these criticisms are just like, I just don't know if they're all completely fair, you know, to be quite honest. I mean – I, I think he's to me. I, to hold on, one last thing. I to me, he's progressing the story as much as you know. I got plenty of what I needed. I got backstory. He progressed it forward. You know, he introduced more aspects of his characters. And you know, I, again and again, I like Slot for the well. I don't. I like Slot from Spider Man. I haven't really liked Iron Man, and I definitely didn't like his Fantastic Four when I read it. I think he gave his Fantastic Four another another world, but. Um, you know, I'm gonna be honest with you, Paul. I actually kind of like the first half of his Iron Man run. It's when he got into the Arno stuff that it fell apart for me. Oh, but really? I actually like I actually like the control, like the overarching controller plot. I actually thought that was kind of neat. Control. I like the I, I like the controller a lot. I've always been an underrated character. Um, you know, but yeah. So listen, I I don't, I don't mean I, I apologize, Neil. I mean to get fired up there. Um, you know, I, I shouldn't you know not be a dickwad, and I apologize. Um. But the thing is, I just, you know, I just, I definitely just feel like sometimes people, you guys are just a little too hard on them, man. I'm just like, again, you don't have to like them. That's fine. But man, it just feels like, I feel like there's not, you're not being completely fair to Dan. Because Dan, he's put out some, and when we do the slot debates, Lord knows, I'm not sure if it's going to get that bad. But, you know, got to say, it just I just feel that there's, he's not as bad as you guys think he is. You don't have to like him, but I just, I feel there's a lot, there's lots of good that he's done. And this issue, these last two issues, Honestly, have been kind of refreshing. I, I really feel like we're getting a different kind of story, and I like this. And maybe the Spider Verse isn't it wasn't for everybody, but I like I loved the into the or the, the Spider Verse the Spider Verse story um, line the first time. I loved it. Thought it was unique and interesting. And to me, this feels like the real sequel to it, rather than the other bastard one that came afterwards. That, that was terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mostly I mostly think that um, the Spider Verse is like a one-time thing you can do or like it needs to happen like once a decade i think yeah. the spy the spider verse inherently it's been a while it, it's been like three years well, no, so, well yeah since spider geddon because you had the spider geddon store now you have this but we also have like web warriors and all the other spider verse stuff yeah well to, to dovetail off of off of uh paul's point i do think it's it is nice that the slot story is in its own title. It's a satellite book. You don't have to pick it up if you don't want to. And it's not driving the overall narrative. And so I am interested to see where slot takes this. If, if, you know, obviously if it goes past, you know, a six issue arc or whatever. So like, I'm, I'm kind of curious 
uh, to see how that is going to work because we haven't seen that really since the brand new day era. And even then he was kind of like a pillar of that era. So he was driving the bus in a lot of ways that you didn't see with the other, you know, the other brain trust and the web heads. So again, I, I, I didn't love it. But I didn't hate it like like Neil did. So I, I'm kind of like I'm kind of you know in between you two. And look, this is one of the reasons that I like having Paul on here with you know me and Neil, who are you know have been known to be anti-slot. This type of dialogue is something that we just don't see on Spidey podcasts all that often anymore, particularly when it comes to you know Dan Slot and kind of him being a third rail. So I appreciated the discussion. Also, part of it is I don't like slot silk and I'm a very big silk fan. So it's kind of like, Oh, what's he going to do with her this time? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, I I would be interested to see what he does with silk. Riving that bus when he's building off of the other characterization that was established. So to be fair to that, um, and that's and that's and I think that's fair criticism and and and, and listen like I I can admit like bias you know being biased on certain things and, and I want to make that very clear I'm not saying I'm exempt from it but far from it you know for positive and for negative things you know there's writers where I'm like oh, I don't want to read this and or I'm, I'm not looking forward to this and it's like I try it and I'm like you just can't get into it it's it, that's just that's human nature there's nothing wrong with that it's just you know yeah. I think it's the, the trick is and again. This is everyone struggles with this. Just being aware of it, you know, and just and just understanding, like, you know, what this 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 writer is just not my thing, and that's like that's fine, and just know, like, this for me, like, like for me, slot is he's he's solid. He's he definitely wore his time on Spider Man way too far, in my opinion, as far as when he on his run. I thought he should have probably bolted out after Spider Verse, to be quite honest, um, and you know, whatever. But the thing is, uh, you know, I, I just think that slot will, if you give it a chance, it'll be fine. It'll be fun. And like I said, it's a, to me, it's a breath of fresh air. I like having the two uh, contrasting books together. And I'm curious what, to me, I'm curious, will he stay on after the Spider-Verse story? And will this title he keep is. going afterward? Well, good. Well, if that's it the is. case, then. He has an arc. Yeah. He has an arc planned. So apparently he bragged about it in his interview that he was talking to some other spider-man writer and they thought his idea for the next arc is pretty cool so he was all jazzed about that <laughs> that and, and and be honest i think for me one of those i think the biggest strength of dan slot is his ideas i think the execution sure. definitely wavers at times you know and yeah. i think that's always that's the big again and I, i'm a stan slot fan i think and i i think saying that it's an accurate statement um you know so i again Will he? Will he? Will he drive this this arc to the to, you know to the end where you guys all feel the same way? I hope not. I hope maybe he guys he convinces you guys that you know what maybe we're being too harsh on him and we need to give it another shot. You don't have to love all of it, but I just think this issue is just not to me. You need you have to have issues like this. You know if you're gonna if you're gonna swing big like have Spider Man team up with Morlun, which I wasn't Morlun whatever his name is. I wasn't pred- predicting that. I was like, oh, that's interesting. You gotta have a reason for it. You have to I explain do think it. That- the reason is clever. I have to give him that. I was actually 
I thought it was interesting that basically he's now a spider totem himself. Spoilers. <laughs> and also like he and also the spiders are his source of food. So if you know Shathra infects all of them, he, he essentially starves to death. I thought that was I think that's neat. I just think that um you probably could have just left it at that. I don't think you needed to see like you said earlier, like we talked about the inheritors being eaten. I don't think I just think the inheritors in concept are bad idea. No one cares about like the steampunk well, vampires. <laughs> but you gotta, but you, gotta gone, rid, so. you gotta get rid of them somehow. Yeah, um, they're, they're dead. Yeah, they're dead. They're dead. So it's not like they're coming yeah, back. They're gone, so. I did I did to say I'm going back to Bagley's art for a second. Bagley has a very poor use of negative space in this issue. There's a lot of pages that could have been very much condensed inwards. But like there's a lot of establishing shots. There's a lot of like three panel pages. And I feel like Bagley could have used that negative space a lot better. The opening page, the first page with like the, the OC spiders, like there's like so much negative space there when you could have made that like the top third of the page instead of like two, like, so like three quarters of it. Go ahead, Paul. And then we'll yeah. start wrapping things up wrapping up yeah sorry sorry guys um you know i the comment about the negative space thing or not negative space thing but the the coloring thing i i loved it i thought that was really clever to be honest i like the whole idea of the beta being the or a callback to the original kind of coloring you know and then the little pixelation of, of, of the of the coloring i thought that was really clever and i i know it, could, it was a little jarring because other characters you know were, weren't and I could see that, but I felt like it did its job pretty well visually, and I thought it was kind of fun and, and interesting. So, I, I, yeah, I, I love that. I thought it was a nice little touch. I th- I, like I said, I think it's a, I think it's a conceptually neat idea. I just think it could have. Um, it, it's Edgar Delgado. Like I said, he's only good with like two with two line artists, and with Bagley, just looks really really off. But can I? And really quickly too, I wanted the coloring itself. This whole issue. I actually felt it felt like a callback to the original like '90s comics. To be honest, it felt colorized. It's so bright. It felt like ASM in the '90s to me. And I'm not yeah, sure if anyone really like would agree with that. Uh, I, didn't Yo, I don't like, know about the '90s per se, but I mean, I like the palette in general. I like this kind of palette more than I do the palette that's being used over an ASM for the most part. See, I like both. I like both. And that's why I think it's cool we're getting two different kind of very, very, you know, very different stories, but two different contrasting of, diff- you know, artists, you know, storytelling and coloring. I think I think it just shows you how, like, versatile, to be honest, it shows you how versatile Spider-Man is. He looks good no matter what. So, I don't know. Maybe, anyway. maybe, they've, get, maybe they've gotten, like, I'm trying to think of a good Bagley colorist. Uh, not going I don't back like to the, the darker well, tones but... on him. I think it depends if it's Hollowell, God no, but I just don't like Hollowell ever. So, yeah. All right. So, um, man, what a what a spirited discussion that that turned into. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Blows uh, are going to be had. Yeah, Greg. Greg's over there doing fucking robot motions. If you're watching, if you're listening to this audio edition, um. But uh, all right, so I'm going to go around the horn. Um, we'll start with Greg. Greg, kind of give everybody a preview, kind of tell everybody what's going on with the voices from the Eerie Gargoyles podcast. Well, we've got two, three more shows left for the season. One's already in the can, and it's not on Patreon now, but it should be very soon. I.e., I will send it to you shortly. 
and that's coming out on Friday. We haven't recorded another one yet. We were going we were going to, but weather issues prevented that. So um but we've got two more left for the year and then we're gonna take a little bit of a break, but we're gonna keep recording things. We want a bit of a backlog again and uh we're hopefully hopefully gonna do a couple of fan shows as well. Uh Paul, what's uh, coming up on uh, the comic bench YouTube? Well, this week we've got uh, a little Wakanda Forever uh, MCU required reading, which will be a little mini uh, Wakanda review, uh, Wakanda Forever review. Um, I've already had my big review on the MCU fan show, which you can hear the three-hour version of that. And I'm not joking. It was three hours long. There's a lot to digest in that book movie, uh, which, by the way, I, I've called a masterpiece. It is a brilliant, brilliant like movie as far as, as far as like superheroes go and. I love it. So yeah, I, I we dissect that mother effer for like three hours. Uh, me, Chris, and uh, hopefully my buddy Michael uh, MJ will be showing up on Tuesday as well. We've got a really fun little story to talk about. Which ironically, funny enough, uh, the the, the storyline before the one we're reading is actually has Morlun in it. Morlun in it. So uh, forget he had a little minor appearance in Black Panther. I think um, I, so, I think I have if if Michael's on it. I think I have an idea of what it is. Maybe. Yeah. No. no it's, it's 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 fun. It's it's after that. It's it's basically the prelude to do, do more is what we're reading, um, and do more. Mm. Yikes. Um. Uh, anyway. Uh. But the prelude to do more is kind of cool. So we're we'll, we're gonna break down that. I think that's a worthy storyline to read after the after watching Wakanda forever. So we got that, and then then <laughs> the week after that. The, the things are going to get crazy because uh, my wife will be joining me with her podcasting partner uh, to break down with Chris and I from hell by Alan Moore. So uh, that'll nice. be very interesting. Yeah. So that'll be very interesting. My wife and I had never, well, she's a, we've been, we podcast before on a random show. That's a long story, but this one will be actually like my show and it'll be, it'll be fun. She's a, she's very lot smarter than me, obviously. So, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be a good time. It's good times. Yeah, I have, I have my own theory on Jack the Ripper, so I look forward to hearing hers and yours. I know, I know what the movie and the, and the comic did, but. All right, um, Adam, got anything coming on, going on, other than making some videos? Isn't any good music? Uh, nothing really coming up these days. Neil, we'll uh, we'll uh, wrap with you, so to speak. All right, your boy gets the last word. Um, okay, so yeah, we talked word. about it earlier. We talked about it earlier. Uh, Books of X launching next year. Um, we're kind of settling into our routine, trying to figure out like you know how to pace our episodes. You know, figure everything out. Um, I'm working on some more behind the scenes stuff. Um, taking on more contract work. Um, I do have some other stuff in the pipeline. I'm going to run it by Zach when I have a chance, but most of it's kind of conceptual at this point. Uh, yeah. So hopefully you'll see some of that fulfilled in the near future. But uh, I guess the most immediate thing to look forward to is Books of X as it comes out next year. And we're hoping to have it out like in the early stages of January. So. All right. Uh, Want to give a shout out to two of our patrons, our two newest ones, Laura and Kigar. Thank you guys for your support on patreon.com slash Spidey Dude Network. 
Um, I will be having to re-record this outro, but without further ado, thanks again for watching. Thanks again for listening, guys. If you're listening to the show on your favorite podcasting catcher, be sure to give us a five-star review and share the show. That is how we continue to grow this show and all the shows here on the Spidey Dude Radio Network. So if you're watching us live on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already, and hit hit the notification bell so that way you can be updated whenever we go live here on YouTube. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to... uh... up this episode of the spider experience thanks for watching if you're watching us live on youtube if you're listening to us on the audio edition also thank you be sure to give us some feedback on your favorite podcasting catchers but if you are on the youtube be sure to give us a like a share and subscribe so you can be notified when the next episode of this show drops but also our other show on the channel make my mayday the show all about the spider girl title spider girl world and the world of the mc2 we got our other great shows on the spidey radio network our spidey dude legacy vault has Clone Soccer Chronicles and Spectacular Radio on it. And then we got our newer shows, such as Voices from the Eerie, Amazing Spider-Man Classic Season 2. And our newest show on the network, Spectacular Spider-Man Salby Sima Era Podcast. Those four are our newest shows, along with this one, Spidey Dude Experience. But we've got a new one coming very soon called Books of X. It's going to be a Patreon exclusive. Speaking of our Patreon, I've got to thank our Patreon subscribers before I get out of here. The Vinkman, Scott, Greg, Phoenician, Kale, Georgia, Jessica, Catherine, Cindy, and Jurgen. Thank you guys for your support of the show here on the Spidey Radio Network. All the money goes in, and it really does help keep the lights on. If you want to be a part of the program, you can do it a couple different ways. You can leave us some feedback on your favorite podcasting catchers, but you can also leave us an email, Network at gmail.com, as well as the voicemail line for all the shows here on the Spidey Radio Network, 818-925-6631. Thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Spidey Radio Network.